Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about what five, I mean, we, we, we'll choose anything to throw a party for. So like we, we talked about it early on, where we're going to celebrate every single year. We celebrated six months, one year, two years. Then we're like, all right, let's chill until five years. So here we are. Um, and I'm, I just want to stop and say I'm thankful for everyone who's had a hand in, in making this church what it is. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be cursing here once in a while. Yeah, that's how the beauty of my life over the last uh, week or so. Um, it's been overwhelming to step back and say, okay, God gave us a vision for this, and then to watch it all come to life, and then to watch people, you know, from anyone who was here in the very, very beginning to anyone who's joined along the way, to watch people come and join and be part of what's going on. You know, I will say there were days, you know, someone, someone asked, like, hey, was there ever a time in the beginning where, like, you felt like maybe things weren't going to work out? Yeah, like every week. Um, <laughs> like every week I would come into the office and I would try to figure out what happened that weekend. And I would look at the numbers and I would look at, you know, and feel, you know how the service felt and how I felt like things were going. And, and I would be amazed to watch every time we needed something God provided in an incredible way. Um, we're a family church. It's all good. Um, and there were moments where it was like, yeah, we're struggling or like financially we need, you know, something to happen. And it did every time, every single time. I mean, I think like it's great to have you here, Kelly. You, you were getting our mail and checking those checks. I know Mike, who's on the town board, was our treasurer. And every single time we needed something, we would have a conversation about it. And all of a sudden, boom, a gift would show up. It'd be the biggest offering we had in six months. It'd be like God continually, every single step of the way, providing. And it wasn't just financially. It was uh, in volunteer power. It was watching the, the ministry that we had uh, take root in the community. It was building partnerships with people like you just saw in that video where they were able to kind of rely on us and lean on us and know who we were as a church. And to watch that all come together, you know, I think some people might say like, hey, you know, Mark, you did a really great job getting this. I mean, you can tell me that too. Like, that's fine. Like, I'll take it. Um, but I want you to know, like, God has been faithful every single step of the way. And I am nothing special. Right? Like, yes, I'm willing to be bold and be obedient to what God is calling me to do. But I feel like we have a whole church of people like that. All of us are bold and obedient to what God has called us to do. And God has called all of us to step out in different ways. And so I should say thank you to anyone who's given, who's volunteered, who's, you know, counseled, who's uh, helped us pull off some of the crazy things that we've done. Uh, this church exists because of your faithfulness and your boldness and your ability to be obedient to Jesus. And, like, we, I know we've got some visitors here that are, like, just here to celebrate with us. I love it. I'm so happy to have you here. It's so much fun to see you. Uh, faces we haven't seen in a while. But I just want you to know, like, God is doing stuff in this church, and we haven't even seen the best of what God's going to do here yet. Right? Like, we've been in, in business here and doing what God's called us to do and creating his mission and creating his kingdom, and we've done this for five years, and we have stumbled for five years at times. 
but I feel like the best for this church is yet to come. It's in the future, right? Five years is a moment here where we can step back and say thank you to God for being faithful. But what God's going to do through this church to me is going to be even greater at 10 years and 15 and 20. I'll talk a little bit more about that. I can do this. I can get through this. I promise. Um, so today what I really wanted to do was take the opportunity to go off script. Um, I know we've been studying Acts for now three falls. We finished Acts. We went all the way through the entire book. And we kind of saw the gospel take root. The first church was formed. We saw that church spread out. That church had anchors in very key locations. The church then started to spread from there into smaller areas or more local, regional areas. And we saw the gospel take root and then go from Judea to Samaria, out to the ends of the earth. And we saw Paul basically give himself up to go all the way to Rome at the very end. And, you know, Acts is amazing to show you how the church gets started but our church, every church, should be patterned after that first church because Jesus left us with the church and he called us to do something. Yeah, he called us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. He called us to create disciples and to teach them to obey everything that God had commanded them to do and to baptize them and to create new believers. And so that's what we're trying to do as a church. But I, I started to think about, you know, so we get all the way through Acts chapter 28. Okay, so... What does Acts chapter 29 look like? What does the church look like after you get out of Acts? What should the church be moving forward? And what should we be looking at the first church and saying, we want to be like that. We want to do these things. And so I pulled out today a couple of things that we saw throughout Acts to just encourage you to say, this is where we want to go as a church. And uh, I think they're, they're timeless truths. that They were true about the first church, and they're still true about us today. So, uh, I'm going to take us through, if you're in the app, you have fill-ins, which are great, um, but I'm going to take us through kind of this idea of where we should go as a church. And so the first idea here is that the church is a family. And you're like, duh, dude, really? That's like really, that's really complicated. No, it's not complicated, but it's not easy. And the church is a family. I feel like today we're getting further and further away from the church being a family. And I need to bring us back and say this is really important. And it's part of what it means to be the church. is to take care of one another, to love one another, to know one another, and to be known. Look, you can go to a mega church down the road and you're going to have better worship. I don't even know what that means, right? I mean, does that mean their people sing better than ours? Like, I don't know or it's going to be fancier, or it's going to be, there will be more people, or whatever. And I think a lot of times what those churches are sacrificing is the idea that you can actually know people and be known. Right? Like, you get to a certain place where it's not possible to know each other. It's not possible to be in connection and to be connected. And I, this is rooted in Jesus' teaching to his disciples. And it's one of the last things he leaves them with. As he's getting them ready for him to go to the cross, and he's giving them his final teaching, it's one of the things that he kind of nails down. Hey, guys, this is what is going to be expected from you. This is what is going to hold this whole thing together. You're going to bring all kinds of different people from all kinds of different walks of life together, and we're going to be focused in on trying to be a family. 
Here's what Jesus says. Get through this. No, I'm not going to be able to speak for the rest of the week, but that's okay. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 13. This is right after or right next to the section where Jesus is talking about heaven. And he says, I'm going to go and create a place for you. There's going to be a place where you can come and be with me with my father forever. I don't want you to be upset. I, don't, I want you to take heart. I, won't, I don't want you to get discouraged. And he's like encouraging his disciples. And he just drops this line in here as like, hey, this whole thing's going to be based on something. This is what he says, John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And you guys know how outreach-oriented I am. Like I'm, I'm constantly just nudging you to go share your faith with people. And you could read this, and you could think, Jesus wants us to love the one another's in society, right? The, the people who are out there who are disconnected. And you're not wrong. That's also in the New Testament. But that's not what Jesus is saying right here. What he's saying when he says love one another is actually talking about the way the church relates to itself. The way the church relates to itself. The way disciples relate to other disciples. This phrase, one another, is used about a hundred times in the New Testament. And 50, 50, 59-ish times, it's describing things that we're supposed to be doing for one another because we're in relationship and we know each other. I got the list right here. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Does this sound like family? This is what we're called to do as a church. This is what makes small churches great. Because you can be known. You can have people who know you. They can call you out when they need to call you out. They can be in a relationship with you. When you struggle, they struggle. When you have something going on in your life, they know about it. Right? It gets unruly when the church turns into regional, right? And not local. And we're focused on being a church that's a family, that's local, that will care for one another. Now, it doesn't mean that you stop growing. I mean, there's no cap. I'm not saying we can't be more than this number or this number or this number. I don't, the numbers aren't what we're focused on. We're focused on making sure we're caring for the amount of people that we have at any given time. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But do we have structures in place to try to care for every single person in this church? Yes, we do. And you might be saying, hey man, I didn't feel it. You need to join a small group. Because it happens here on Sunday for an hour, and it happens there on an ongoing basis, weekly, monthly, all the time, right? To be in relationship with people who know you, I, we, I can't know every single one of you at that level, but somebody here can, right? Somebody at this church, if we're treating it like a family, can. And we see this in the, in the first church in Acts, by the way, you know, it's, it's shown by the way they care for their widows in Acts chapter 6 when all of a sudden they run into the, one of their first problems with programming. There's certain widows who aren't getting fed correctly. They're not getting the right amount of resources. 
And it seems like there's this breakdown where the Jewish widows are getting a little bit more than the non-Jewish widows. And they're kind of like, they're like, hey, this isn't fair. And the church shouldn't operate like this. And they go, you know what? You're right. Let's put some people in charge of this. And let's make sure that everybody gets taken care of. Because they're a family. Because they care about one another. Because they want to serve one another. They want to make sure everybody has a place. And that's our goal as a church. Again, are we perfect? No. There are times when people fall through the cracks. That's never our goal. But we're trying to make sure that everybody in this church is part of a family. That you have people. And this is why we use language like brothers and sisters. Right? We talk about it in the New Testament. We talk about brothers and sisters because we're a family. That's what a church looks like. <coughs> Sorry. So the church is a family. I think I'm going to get through this. The church is also a change agent. And we saw this in Acts when Paul was in Ephesus. Right? So I'm going to read to you this passage from Acts chapter 19. And this is what happens in Ephesus in Paul's ministry. It says, about that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business, and you see and hear how fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus, and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all, which is true and awesome. Um, there is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Those of you who are social warriors, just know that this church in Ephesus turned the entire economy on its head and changed the culture of an entire city. Okay. And I want you to pay attention to how they did it, right? They were a change agent in the, in the area of Ephesus because they started teaching the truth by saying there is no such thing as a God made by human hands. And then they started living out that truth by not supporting this industry. and not, They weren't boycotting. They weren't out in the streets with picket signs. They just started to live differently and it changed the culture of the entire church. Like, I think sometimes we think we need to make this huge splash, right? And we need to go out and we need to pick it and we got to put some sort of icon on our social media and we got to go and, you know, make a, a broad, bold statement so everyone... And honestly, what is sometimes simpler and more effective is a group of Christians actually living for Jesus on an everyday basis. Because when we do that, we look so different than the culture, and it changes the culture around us, right? It doesn't mean we, we show up to public forums and start huge debates. And by the way, if you're in politics, knock yourself out. And if you feel called to do that stuff, that's great. But we're not all called to do that. We are all called to live for Jesus. We are all called to create culture by living out the values of Jesus in the world around us. And that has an effect on the culture around us. The church should be a change agent. It doesn't mean we go around picking fights with people. It doesn't mean we have to be right. It doesn't mean we have to 
you know, make a spectacle. Sometimes all it takes is like-mindedness between a lot of people doing the same thing, serving Jesus, standing up to their culture, and it changes the culture. These guys, without really fighting, without really starting anything with anyone, just completely took this entire economy, this like cottage industry of creating these silver statues of Artemis, and flipped it on its head just by saying, it's not a god, Lloyd made that. <laughs> You're going to worship something that Lloyd made? I don't know. That's it. And all of a sudden, these guys are worried about, hey, people are going to look badly on us, or this is going to affect our, our economy in the city. Yeah, it affected the economy, because the people were living differently. And their faith was rubbing off other people and changing the way that people live. We're almost there now. Uh, I, can do, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If, by the way, if you're not here every week, you, sorry, that, that's an inside joke. All right, third one. Church is contagious. Like, I don't think we always have this in mind or we think about, we overthink evangelism. We think, well, what if somebody asked me this question? What if they asked me that question? I need to know all this stuff. Well, I mean, I don't know. What if it affects my job? What if it affects my relationship with this person? And we overthink, we overthink, we overthink. The church is contagious. And if you're a Christian, the way that you're living should also be contagious. I, I do not have to do a... Uh, we do not have to have a program that teaches you about evangelism. No one trains you to evangelize the things that you're passionate about. If you love fishing, I don't know why you would love that. <laughs> so stupid. You just sit there. You're just waiting. And you're like, oh, I got a good plan. Let me put it over there. <laughs> stupid. But if you're passionate about it, right? You find other people who love fishing. You talk about fishing. You try to get people like me. Oh, you, you're missing it, dude. It is so nice. It's great. You could try talking to it all day. I'm a fishing atheist, okay? It's not happening. Um, I don't believe in it. Um, no, one, no one needs to tell you how to be passionate about the things that you love. No one needs to tell you how to share those things. It's contagious because you love it. And when we're connected to Jesus and we love the community of people that we're connected with, nobody, we do not need a training course to talk about how to invite somebody into the thing that you love. You're here every week, right? You're, some of you guys are giving, just are so ridiculously generous, it's unbelievable. Like, it's clear you're passionate. Just share your passion. The church should be contagious. It should be full of people who love what is going on, who love the situation that they find themselves in, love the people that they're working with, to the point where they're willing to share that with other people, and it's effortless. It's just part of who you are. Nobody needs to prompt me to talk about fantasy football. I'm down. I run into a random dude in a random place, and we can talk about fantasy football just like that. right? No one needs to tell me to how to talk about vintage video games. I'll talk to you all day about vintage video games. I love it. I'm down to talk to you about anything that has to do with that. 
right? Whatever your thing is, you're passionate about it. That's why it's contagious. But look what happens in the first church when we went through all these passages. I just want to read these quickly. I mean, look at what you see in every one of these passages. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, right? When the Holy Spirit comes. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number. It's contagious. 3,000 people, 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes, ate together, glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more women believed, men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increasing, increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient. People of influence started to, to come and be part of the church. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, increased in numbers. I don't, listen, I think it's possible for a church to get too focused on numbers. That is definitely possible. To only be saying, did we win or lose based on how many people are here or aren't here. I can tell you in these five years, we've had transition. We've gained people and lost people. People have joined the mission of what's going on here and they've moved on and we've blessed them on their way and said, go and be with God. We build this kingdom somewhere else. That's fine. And we've welcomed people in. That's okay. We're not focused on the numbers exactly, right? We're focused on the idea that this church is contagious and continues to welcome people into being part of something bigger than themselves, you know? And to me, that is the real focus. It's not necessarily on what is the bottom line, you know, uh, how many butts are in the seats, what was the offering total? I think there are a lot of churches that that is how they define whether they were successful or not. And that is not how we define it. But yes, the church should be contagious. It should be easily shared by the people who are part of it. It should be welcoming new people in on a weekly basis. It's something we want to stay focused on because what we're generally welcoming into that church is A, people who don't know Jesus, or B, people who are disconnected from being part of a church. And now we get to invite them into it and welcome them into being part of something. Those are the reasons why we exist. We are the church. We're welcoming people into it to join the mission of what we're doing. And we're not, we don't just want to be the kind of church that grows by transferring people from one church to another. Okay, that's not necessarily what we're here for. We want to see people who are disconnected, who can't find their place, come and be part of something. We see people who don't know Jesus come and find out who he is. So the church is contagious. Last one. I got to get us out on time because we got to eat. And I don't want to get in the way of the, your real God, the Vikings. <laughs> Dolphins are on by. So I'm not rushed. Last one, church is, the church is timeless, timeless. And I want you to just to, to stop and say, we are doing something today that is in some way the same 
as something that has continually happened for the last 2,000 years. Our expression of church today is connected to the first expression of church. And when Jesus had this conversation with his disciples, even before the first church began, right, he was trying to help them understand who he was and how they were going to relate to the world around them. And so he has this conversation. I mean, he's on a hike with his disciples. He stops on the side of the road like a good rabbi, and he starts processing with them. And he asks them the question, hey, who do, who do people say that I am? And their, their answers are all over the place. You know, in my mind, it's Peter just being obnoxious and rattling off all these answers. You know, some say you're this, some say you're that, some say you're that. We're all kind of confused, Jesus, about who you are. And then there's like this aha moment where Peter says, you know what, actually, you're the, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus takes that little nugget of faith. I mean, essentially one of the first people ever to really put all the pieces together, Peter is. And Jesus says to him, that's amazing. You know, it wasn't a man who taught you that. You, you know that because you have faith. And God is has given you that faith. Like, it's beautiful. It comes from heaven, right? And then Jesus proclaims, and now Cephas is going to be known as Peter. It's a play on words. It goes from essentially him having this name that kind of means like a pebble to this name that means rocky. And he blesses Peter, and he gives him this blessing. Here's what it says in Matthew 16, 18. He says, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is, my church is going to be eternal. Nothing's going to stop this. The enemy is going to throw everything he has at the church. And we still see this, by the way. We still see churches that fail for all kinds of reasons where the enemy has done everything he can to take down that church. Right, has attacked the leaders, has you know, has done everything they can to create disunity. Like that's a real thing, and we should be paying attention to the fact there's an enemy that doesn't want us to succeed. Right? But what he tells Peter is, I'm gonna start a church and it's never gonna end. This church is gonna be my bride. It's important enough for me to create a group of people and to turn them into the thing that becomes my bride, someday when I remake all this and I call you into it for eternity, you're going to get to come and be part of it and it's going to be a brand new city and a brand new church and we're going to redeem all this. But for now, this thing's going to continue to go on and be the thing that changes the world around us. Like, I don't understand how you can get to a place where you could say, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be part of his church. I don't understand that. The church is what Jesus left to reach the world. Have we stopped trying to reach the world? Have we stopped trying to be in community with one another? Have we stopped and we just go, eh, it's good enough. I know, look, I'm talking to the choir because you guys are all here right now, so good job. Um, but we have this separation that we want to say, like, I love Jesus, but I don't like the institutional church. Yeah, the institutional church is messed up sometimes and does sometimes more harm than good in certain situations. But it will not end. Jesus promised the church goes on and set it up so that the church would be the thing that changed the world around us. 
It was his plan. It was his plan A. It was his first and only plan, right? And so the fact that we're still trying to invest in the church and change the world through the church, that is what we're called to do as Christians. So church is timeless. Church is contagious. Church is a change agent. The church is a family. And I just want to encourage you because I do feel like the best for us is yet to come is just a few things that we've learned. Just two things, two things that we've learned. One is we go further, faster, together. And I mean this in every way. We go further, faster, together if we're connected and in relationship as a church, love one another and we're serving each other and we have our focus on the mission that God gave us, we go further, faster together. We also go further, faster together when we work with organizations and other churches and networks and denominations that we care about and we are on the same path with and we can come alongside and work together with them. This is why we're so focused on our local partnerships with the Food Shelf, Ralph Reeder, with Quincy House, with the Community Center, with all these organizations that you saw doing that video. We know we will go further and faster together that if we're split off of the pack or we're disjointed, or we don't have unity, the church grinds to a halt, right? And your faith probably grinds to a halt in that scenario. And you're like, I just, I feel like there's something missing in my life, or I need to be connected to people. It's because we go further, faster together. That's the first one that we have learned. I do think there are people who are trying to carve out their corner of God's kingdom without allowing any outside influences, or trying to do it all on their own not part of a denomination, not working with other churches, not connecting with other you know, groups or, or organizations, and they're missing it because we go further, faster together. The last one, the second idea that I have is that we often overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate what we can do over a long period of time. We're here to stay. We're not going anywhere. You know, I had one uh, family that came and they were thinking about joining and I was talking with them. You know, when I meet with people like that, I'm just trying to help them understand who we are. I'm not trying to win them. I'm not trying to talk them into being part of our church. I'm just saying, here's who we are. If this resonates with you, you can come be part of it. And they had just come from a church that just closed its doors. And I do think there was probably some sort of, it was kind of a bummer situation. There was maybe not the healthiest thing in the world. And they said, well, like, how close are you guys to closing? I was like, that's a good question. I guess I understand why you're asking. Um, we're not. We're not. We're not going anywhere. We're here for the long term. We think we can do way more over a long period of time than we can in a short period of time. We've microwaved these first five years. We're going like slow cooker for the next 20 and beyond. I mean, my heart will definitely give out before we get there. My heart will go on. <coughs> there we go. Don't make me laugh. These are harder. We're in this for the long run. These relationships that we're building are for the long run. Right? We're trying to do things in this community that will change community, it's going to take a long time. We're not going anywhere. 
And I think if you had asked me on day one, I'm like, we're changing the world tomorrow. And you know what? We threw our back into it, and we tried, and we still will. But I think now, perspective after five years is that we can have so much more influence over a long period of time as we stay faithful and obedient every step of the way. And I want to thank you for being part of that and investing in that and being part of this church because we're not going anywhere. We're still standing. All right, let me, let me close this in prayer. I'm going to pray over the food too because apparently if I don't, someone will choke. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. I know you use us in spite of ourselves sometimes. I know it was your vision to change this community and to start this church. God, help us to be faithful to you, to respond to your faithfulness. Help us to be obedient to what you're calling us to. God, I pray that this first five years is just the beginning of what you're going to do through this church and this community. I thank you for the missional heart of each, every, each and every one of these people. I'm, I'm so thankful to have a crew, a group, a, a, a family of people to, to journey through what you called us to do it together. God, would you just help us to see that you are up to so much more and for such a long period of time out in front of us. God, we pray that what's to come is even greater than what we've already accomplished. And we pray, God, that as we sit and enjoy food together, that you would just bring us even closer. You would bring unity into our conversations, that you would bind us together. And we pray no one, no one chokes. In Jesus' name, amen.